Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast where today we're going to talk about angels and possibly something more. It depends <laughs> on how quickly we get through angels. Yeah, there's, uh, after re-going through it, there's not a whole lot to talk about about angels in the monster manual, but I would like to try to talk about angels in the more broader sense. It's kind of weird to me that there are only three of them. I feel like there's a lot of mythology to draw from. Especially because the three that there are are all just the same dude but more powerful each time. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've got some opinions on angels, and we'll, we'll get into that. I know I've been saying that for two episodes now, <laughs> but uh, today is the finally we do the unveiling. So get your big-ass scissors ready, because we're going to snip some ribbons. Alternatively, get your big-ass wine bottles ready, because we're going to launch some ships. Oh, boy. Yeah. I can't think of a third one, so let's just get started. <laughs> okay. Yeah, lay it on me. What are angels? Really, that's a loaded question. Angels are just big old celestial guys who are messengers and agents for the gods. Yes. That's a pretty much all they are in all forms. <laughs> yes. I think the the what the the big thing is is that they are individually subservient to particular gods. Yes. So for a long time I just kinda assumed there were angels and angels were just, you know, carbon copy stamps of things that are just servants to the divines in general but i think the idea is there are you know so pelor has some angels and then Corallon has some angels as well and they're different they get into fights it's like the jets and the other guys i haven't seen <laughs> uh that movie in some time yeah you know the one and then they get into big fights uh, that involve singing and dancing in the alleyways yeah as which, i recall which, well <laughs> Aside, movie aside, they, yeah. <laughs> it that does sort of imply that there are angels that do stuff beyond just like radiant abilities. Yes, considering I would like that to there see are gods of all sorts. Yeah, I would like to see the ones that are like the who's what are the the like the trickster gods? I can't remember any of the trickster oh gods, but God. I'd like to see. Do not put me I'd, on the spot for this. <laughs> all right. I'd like to see some trickster angels going around, and then I'd like to see, you know, and one of the reasons why I'm surprised that there are so few, there are only the three angels in the bestiary, I would have liked to have seen in the same way that we get a lot of cleric divine domains. I would like to see, like, the weird angels, you know? And yeah, I was just thinking, like, I want to see the crazy, like, nature angels, just yeah. like horrible treant monster angels <laughs> yeah or even like get some dark angels into the mix like i'm surprised there wasn't a little section on what happens to the traits or the spell list of an angel after they've fallen oh uh, yeah fallen angels would have been a, a great monster yeah in fact i almost wonder if they're not just later on in the monster manual and i've just made a big jackass out of myself i don't think so but maybe yeah i think <sighs> I think the only fallen angel I've seen is from a third-party thing. Yeah, and then the the race, the fallen Asimar, is about, like, as close as I can think of, even in 
official stuff, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong as well. If we're wrong, like, comment, and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I wanted to say about Angel Variety is that D&D has, like, a very specific kind of way of portraying angels and devils and all that. Uh, But the angels get kind of the shaft when it comes to uh, weirdness. I think, and I, I got this idea from uh, another D&D show, WebDM, where yes. angels could literally be portrayed how they're described in the Bible. So, like, more fire and brimstone? Like, a body made of lightning and eyes that light like torches, or a wheel covered in eyes with another wheel inside of it and six great wings like crazy devil may cry or like bayonetta angels yeah crazy hellish eldritch angels that just confuse and scare you because like you don't know what they are they're greater beings like yeah i always like that like specifically in bayonetta where we have these traditional views of the angelic and then you know they they are treated more like eldritch monsters as things we cannot comprehend because they're so far above us I, uh, I'm always down for that kind of take on an angel, and I, I would have liked to have seen something like that in the Monster Manual, but that feels very uh, non-traditional <laughs> in a way that I think the Monster Manual doesn't really traffic in. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't have been classified under angels. Like, maybe there'd be celestial monsters or something, but they wouldn't be yeah. specifically classified angels. I would like to see some angelic old ones that the angel warlocks have to deal with. <laughs> that would be awesome. Old ones all the way down, as we mentioned in our Four Kings talking when we were talking about the Four Kings. Yeah, every single <laughs> race of creatures has old ones. That's, I, that's yeah. what I think. <laughs> that that would be like fun in a Pokemon kind of way. Yeah. Where we just explore the old ones of every culture. Yeah, find them all and lose your mind to all of them. Yeah, I'd make that game. I probably <laughs> wouldn't make that game. I'm very inept. But uh, Being I'd real. like to play that game. So, uh, angels, they are all lawful good. So they are they unwaveringly follow the commands of their god. Uh, so each of them are lawful good, even if the god is chaotic good. So I guess... That kind of is the resolution for why there's only one kind of angel. I think the idea is that to some extent they are just carbon copies of stamps of each other and they all kind of have this subservient quality to them. Yeah, that might be it. Which is kind of a bummer. Like, I'd like to see some some crazy angels. Yeah, and even like... (laughs) And they don't have to act lawful good if they are serving a chaotic god in my opinion yeah because their law is the chaos of their god yes so so it's one of those weird things where like you know if it's one of those reasons why alignment is so finicky in D&D, where if you follow the law of a chaotic system does that make you chaotic or lawful yeah (laughs) and to the monster manual it makes you lawful these boys, these angelic boys, yes. they're all lawful good. They are traditionally self-assured folk. They're self-assured. They're very superiorly minded. They think they're hot shit. Uh, <laughs> and as such, yeah, when they are dealing with mortals, they tend to dominate more than assist. Uh, so they're typically more commanders than assistants. 
and as such, they are rarely deployed to deal with mortals. It's very, you know, it, only when straits are dire does a divine being send down an angel. <laughs> I do like the idea of that being literal. Like, an angel comes down to serve as the head of an army, and, like, when half of the army starts to run away, it just uses dominate on them to make them turn around and fight. That would be cool. I can only imagine the generals who are like, they spent years doing their <laughs> battle plan, and then all of a sudden, an angel comes down and takes full control. Johnny on, Angel man. over here, come on. <laughs> so these guys, they can be prideful due to their sense of infallibility. This is the cool fallen angel stuff. And through their sense of pride, through their hubris, they can commit an evil act unintentionally, Anakin Skywalker style. Uh, well, that's not very fair. Anakin Skywalker, once you get to the children slaughter, you pretty much know you're the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, that is already fallen at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is kind of neat. So any evil act that an angel does forces the angel into exile. They're immediately outcasts. Uh, Weirdly, they still retain their power, which feels kind of like an oversight on the gods' part. <laughs> it feels like the gods, knowing that they're doing this extreme emotional damage to an angel and just letting it go on its way, it feels like maybe they should uh, maybe knock that boy down a peg on the power scale. Yeah, at least a little. Like, take something. <laughs> yeah, it feels incredibly short-sighted in... On, on beings that, you know, see for eternity. It's like, yeah, how many angels have we exiled over the years? Oh, like 100 and, 120. There's 120 angels out there? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I, I foresee things going badly, but that would be like a cool campaign hook, is all of the exiled angels over the years finally, you know, band together and uh, take down some some divines. When the angels assault heaven. That would be kind of neat. I pr I guess I prefer my D&D stories a little bit smaller scale, but if you're into going the divine route immediately, that would be neat. So when an angel has been exiled, when they're officially fallen, sometimes the angels go off and rebel against their former comrade comrades, joining the forces of hell as a result. Others become just chill guys. They become hermits and... Uh, kind of just wander the world and seek redemption in exchange for their, as a sort of penance, even though the, specifically, the out, or very explicitly, the outcasting of an angel is permanent, despite, you know, whether or not a, an angel goes to hell or just kind of chills out and studies hobbits, mm -hmm. they are, they are outcasts from heaven. They're immortal, obviously. They don't need to eat. They don't need to sleep. Uh, they don't need water. Really, neither here nor there. Yeah, it's what you expect. I yeah. Do they keep the immortality and that stuff after being exiled? I imagine they don't say they, they that they don't. That's true. And whatever so, it doesn't say is law. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just imagining after infinite time, all of the angels become fallen, and then hell's like, "Fuck, no more angels. What do we do? <laughs> we take over the world." So that that would also be kind of fun. When there's no more angels. <laughs> I feel like that's the setup for like a 90s, I don't know, dot drama of some kind. I feel like I've heard that before. Well, that's kind of like the, <laughs> that's the problem with big scale celestial heaven and hell adventures in D&Ds. They all sound like 90s cartoon adventures. No, not even cartoons. Like, I'm sure there's a movie with like, uh, 
uh, who is the shitty Batman? Who is the one <laughs> from the Batman Forever? Batman. Like Val Kilmer's in it, and some like like Nicole Kidman before she had a career, and it's about like a fallen angel trying to. I what wasn't there a movie called like City of Angels something like that? Well, there's the Crow City of Angels, but oh no, don't you dare! <laughs> don't you dare do that to my man! All right, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> so we should get into specific kinds of angels. There are three kinds of angels specifically. Uh, there are Deva, there are Planetar, and there are Solar. Solar, Solar. I don't know. We'll, it's it's got to we'll, be Solar. I'm pretty sure it's Solar. I'll probably go back and forth. The Deva are the least powerful of the angels. Bear in mind, they're still CR10, so this is still... You know, not a monster you see every day. Yeah. Unless, until you get to CR-10, in which case you do. I think the Deva are the most interesting um, in terms of characteristics. Yeah, by leaps and bounds. These are the ones that get to be people. So what Deva are is they are, these are the divine messengers and kind of minor agents for the gods. They, what makes a Deva a Deva is that they can take on different forms and they take on the form appropriate to the plane they're sent to so if they've got stuff on the feywild or the shadowfell they'll put on either uh kind of a fairy kind of disguise or just a sad dude kind of disguise <laughs> that's all the shadowfell is is sad dudes yeah i can't imagine an angel being sent to the shadowfell i feel like that would be <laughs> hilarious just bright sunny day and everyone is it's all the shadow fey just kind of Bumming yeah. around, trying to do their best, and this angel's just looking around like, oh god, how do I fit in? Yeah. It's not so bad, friend. The dirt <laughs> I'm eating is okay. <laughs> Everything here tastes like ashes, but it's fine. Yeah. So, these are your Gandalfs, pretty much. The, uh, and it, lest we forget, wizards are basically angels in the Tolkien universe, taking on kind of a personage, like a person form. Uh, so, in their, they can take whatever form they want. In their true form, they look like beautiful, silver-skinned, lustrous, winged people. Uh, the wings sprouting from their back, you know, like angels. Sometimes they are known to take the mortal form for years. Just hanging out, again, Gandalfing it up, which seems more chaotic and free-willed than angels are supposed to be. I get the sense that, you know, angels that hang out for too long are given a stern talking to every couple of centuries. Yeah, it's it's strange that they just kind of... <laughs> if it's not part of their mission, that they would just decide to do that. I think it's just another expression of why alignment does not do a satisfying job in describing a creature. Yeah, it's just useless. And, like, alignment should change over time, and it often does, but only, like, when you do something cosmically different. Yeah. Like, how strange is that? Like, you know, you can't, you don't change your alignment over the course of your life unless you kill somebody, and then, you know, you become evil. Yeah, how is everybody not, like, true neutral? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a strange system. Mechanically, these guys, uh, and we'll find there are mechanical trends across all of the three angels. These guys, they have a higher AC and a lower HP for their challenge rating. Um, they have a walking speed of 30 and a huge fly speed of 90. I... <laughs> they can get the fuck out. Yeah, and <laughs> I think that plays into how they are supposed to be as creatures. Um, I, I feel like, you know, 
once you have a creature that goes past a speed of 60, who's gonna... I feel like that is more <laughs> than what the average battle map supports. Oh, yeah, for sure. There, there's a... It's every time I see a speed that high, I'm like, p I pity the DM that has to build like a whole city. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I, I think you just get diminishing returns with a higher speed. After a while, it stops being useful. I guess maybe like, it, it's cool in theater of the mind. Yeah, but again, speed doesn't really have much of a meaning in theater of the mind stuff. I guess that's true. Maybe the 90 speed is, like, good for vertical? I don't know, man. I don't know either. I imagine this is, like, for the people who are way into D&D &D as a war game kind of thing. Yeah. The people that have huge army maps. <laughs> They've got, and... like, a friggin' Warhammer map of heaven. <laughs> yeah. Then then there's... That's where you go. That's, that's your wheelhouse. They also, angels, they have really crazy stats. Like, crazy good stats. They have <laughs> 18s and 20s across the board. They have bonuses to their wisdom and their charisma. They have bonuses to their insight and their perception. They have resistance to non-magical weapons. They're immune to charm, exhaustion, and frighten. They have dark vision out to 120 feet. They have a passive perception of 19. They know every language and have telepathy out to 100, 120 feet. Yeah. Like, did an angel write this? Yeah. You know when you trust somebody a lot to, like, roll their own character, and you're like, all right, bring me whatever you got, and they come back with way too good of a guy? Yeah. They throw <laughs> 18, you know, three 18s at you. Yeah. And you're like, go back and do it again. You don't have any racial bonuses to strength, but your strength is 20. Yeah. How did this it's, happen? Uh, yeah. It's, it's weird to me. I don't know how I feel about that. So, like... I, I I get this strange, like, just numerically, I have this OC kind of feel to them, angels do. This, like, impossibly powerful creature kind of feeling to them that yeah. I, uh, I think is kind of boring, you know? I think it's kind of silly, silly and boring, which is a weird combination. Honestly, it's like fighting alongside angels would be boring. Having to overcome and surmount angels would be cool. Yes, but, but like, there's all... no party of a regular campaign that would most likely do that. Exactly. Like, these are definitely, and they're kind of built to be assistance creatures. Like, they're supposed to be there. And I guess that is, that gives some explanation to why their stats are so good. I think the idea is, you know, you introduce a uh, servant of hell, some sort of hell demon spawn and uh the players are completely out of their depth in this fight so the idea is you have like a level five party you throw a cr9 demon at them the party is screwed and then as they hold out the angel comes down and is literally a deus ex machina yeah i guess not literally that would involve a crane but whatever you know <laughs> what i mean deva swoops in on a crane moreover Angels, they have magic weapons that do extra radiant damage, which to me triggered more of that like OC do not steal quality. Yeah, and then every hit is a divine smite. Yeah. And then I got a closer look and felt better about it because it's just there to fill out the creature's damage for its challenge rating. Yeah, because it does basically nothing else. Yeah. Angels, they get regular swords and the regular swords do regular damage. And then you throw this extra divine 
uh, energy, this divine smite kind of trait onto it to fill it out for damage range purposes. Yeah, the Deva is the most reasonable of all of them, which is saying something considering its stats. Yeah, well, the they they get weirder later on. I I did some comparison, and angels in general with their base weapons they fall a little bit under the damage range. So devas in particular they get a they get a multi attack with their maces that equals out to about fifty damage on average compared to I don't actually have the numbers in front of me, but I remember it being uh, below the CR average for a creature of that kind. Huh. Yeah. Again, you know CRs are weird and abstract in a kind of difficult to follow way so who knows in actual play yeah how that would work out but in terms of the numbers that wizards of the coast provided they do less damage than a creature of a cr10 should yeah they only have two attacks which is also kind of uh surprising because they kind of it feels like the wizards would have been like yeah angels four attacks <laughs> well, they set up with the stats. This might as well go whole hog, give them like four <laughs> or five hits. Yeah, they could just master Gi across the battlefield. They could just take out everybody. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So, angels, they get innate spellcasting. So, uh, the, the spells are interesting. And I think goes to... I got a burp. Hold on. <laughs> they have innate spellcasting, angels do. And I think the spells that they get kind of further my hypothesis that these are assistance creatures, like these are supposed to be on the player's side. They get detect good and evil. They get commune, which is basically just, you know, you ask within the the story, the narrative of D&D, you're asking a deity a yes or no question and you get back an answer. This is basically just, you know, you're pestering the DM for some kind of response. So for guidance, for kind of metatextual guidance. And they also get raised dead. All yeah. of these are pretty useful. Uh, detect good and evil is mildly useful, but commune is definitely an assist the party spell. Raise dead is absolutely an assist the party spell. Yeah, as an ex machina style spell when they come yeah. in and swoop in to save the day. Yes. They also, they get magic resistance, which is interesting. Uh, I always attributed that to devils who all get magic resistance I, uh, on a second thought, I thought it was kind of neat because don't all devils are, are they, they are distantly related to angels anyway? Like they're all fallen angels regardless. I don't know if that's the D&D lore, man. I'm pretty sure it's not, but it might be. I'm, well, some of them are. So like Asmodeus, as I recall, is a fallen angel and I can imagine devils just sprouting over time from Asmodeus's line. Okay, yeah, okay, I get you. That would make sense. I'm not totally sure how it works. Neither do I, really. I guess we'll get to that when yeah, we get to Yeah, I was gonna to say, devils. when we get to Devils, we'll do some deep lore dives. Yeah, as it stands, though, oh, God, don't make me read the, like, two billion <laughs> chapters in Bolo's Guide. Oh, we're doing it. Uh, I did it on a plane trip once, kind of recently, and I was like, oh, this goes on and on and on. <laughs> I so I I kind of like them having magic resistance when I think about it in that way. Angels they also have a healing touch spell that restores twenty HP. It fixes cu curses, diseases, poisons, blindness, and deafness, which is so, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super heals. I I think so. In summation, I think these guys are definitely cleric adds for a party that needs it, especially 
if you want to introduce that that very deus ex machina here's a powerful being to help you against an insurmountable force kind of encounter yeah so the idea is i consider these guys mercies from overwatch <laughs> the idea is they they can get to a damaged or dead player very quickly with their crazy ass fly speed and then they provide pretty good medical support for these characters as needed and then in their off when they're not flying around helping the party because these are you know assisting npcs they can also do some reasonable damage to help round that out yeah that makes sense yeah the last little trait that devas get are chain shape which is uh you know mechanical expression a mechanical expression of they what makes a deva a deva so they can transform into an equal or less powerful humanoid uh, in, what i mean to say is that they the cr is equal to or less than whatever they transform into which is pretty good yeah. i would say i like that it's both a humanoid or a beast so you could just have like a bear you could do the whole lion and the mouse thing where you <laughs> pluck out some bramble and whoops you got yourself an angel that does mean that you could be fighting a t-rex and suddenly it reveals itself to be an angel <laughs> that would also be cool godly t-rex <laughs> you're like oh fuck how did a t-rex get here and it's like hello <laughs> that brings us to the planetar and these are the divine punishers of the gods they are the like you know when a god is feeling a little inadequate they throw a planetar down, and these planetar, they are able to do all sorts of crazy uh, things. They can call down rain, they can bring in pestilence, they are exceptionally tall, and they have the divine ability to detect lies, to detect lies, which is kind of neat. In contrast to the deva, the planetar are hairless, and they have green skin, and typically they are armed with great swords. What do you think of these guys? Planetars seem like the boring, stereotypical angel to me. Like, D&D &D angel. They seem just kind of like... Maybe it's the fact that they are the uh, just featureless, feathered warriors with big swords. Uh, yeah. I didn't know they could control weather and call plagues. That's kind of cool. I'll give them that. that. Is, yeah, I think that's neat. The fact that they can cast invisibility at will on themselves? That's pretty yeah. cool. That's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. I would have liked them mechanically a little bit more if they leaned in farther to the crazy spells that they have. Yeah, if planetars were like if planetars were literally like apocalypse bringers, like yeah. if they if they were more the mages than the yeah. warriors, I think I would have been more down with them. Yeah, as it stands, the solars they more or less obviate planetars completely. Yeah, in in, in both like versatility use lore they just kind of all around are like oh this is a planetar but way better <laughs> yeah pretty much and we'll get to that in a second so mechanically what these guys are like they have again like the deva they have a higher ac and lower hp for their cr which is 16 and again like the deva they have fucking crazy stats they have bonuses to their con saves so that attaches to these guys being the the warriors more than the assistants and they have true sight out to 120 feet. Their speed also gets a little boosty in case, you know, you were bored of 90 fly speed. How's 120 sound? 120 is okay. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> they also get a 40 walking speed. So these guys can go for miles pretty quickly. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I just imagine, like, 
we have one planetar on our side and we need him to get across the world now. The wizard's just like, well, I cast haste on him. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes that scene from the Matrix. <laughs> the planetar like casts expeditious retreat and yeah. <laughs> it just can use all three of its actions to move 240 feet. They have, they also have, like the Deva, they have the Divine Smite, the extra magic angelic weapon thing that the Deva has, but a little bit more. Again, to give them a bit more damage to round up for their CR. They have a trait called Divine Awareness, which is a mechanical expression of the, they can, the whole deceit detection thing. So the, the wording is more or less literally, the Deva can tell when it's being lied to. Planetar. Yes, the planetar can tell when it's being lied to. I... I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Well, I guess... Well, no, yeah, solars get that too. I was gonna say maybe that's the one thing planetars have over solars. It's not. No, <laughs> so... it's not. The one, the thing that planetars have over solars is the ability to change weather and bring in plague. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's it. So, I think it's cool. Uh, I do think that it would have been cooler if they were the only ones. If the planetars were like the angels, like the angels of judgment that yeah. know when they're being lied to. Yeah. I, um, I like lying in D&D. Yeah. I think the idea of deceit and playing around, again, like, as I mentioned before, I'm the city boy who likes all the intrigue and whatnot. I, I feel a little bit concerned uh, one of those pat pat patented Orion concerns. Yeah. Where I would feel weird about taking away that ability to lie from a player. Well, you don't. You give them a challenge to tell a half-truth in order to convince. I don't it's, know about it's that. It's literally the definition of how to get around zone of truth aside from just not answering. So I think yeah. that planetars are just like the creature embodiment of overcoming a zone of truth problem. Yeah, alright. Yeah, I might as well rule that. Uh, especially, you know, if it feels finicky to you, that's, uh, that's your way around it. I kind of like this as... When I think about it on the opposite end, where the planetar knows every lie that hits it, uh -huh. it just chooses whether or not to expose the lie. I think that's kind of fun, and yeah. becomes another game out unto its own. The problem is, is that it doesn't really... I don't see a planetar being that subtle. These guys being able to call down thunder and plagues of locusts. Yeah, even just looking at them, they're just so no-nonsense in every aspect of their presentation. Yeah. That they are very much like the... They probably never say a word to anyone they ever meet. Like... Yeah. So these guys, they're they're very much the Cassandra of <laughs> angels. I I think it's kind of funny that they don't have Zone of Truth. I, I think they should have just given them Zone of Truth instead of Divine Awareness. Yeah. I don't know. Because you're right, having it always active is kind of weird. Well, having it always active when there's more than one kind of angel that gets it is weird. If it was just planetars, I'd, uh, again, I'd be cool. But, I don't know. What other spells do they have, Orion? So they have the angelic magic resistance. Uh, they have innate spell casting as well. Here's where the planetar, you know, this is where it takes the stage. They get mostly the same spells as the deva. They get invisibility on themselves as w at will. So they can cast invisibility whenever they want. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, they get blade barrier, 
which is like Wall of Fire, but with swords. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious sounding to me. Blayberry is awesome. They get Dispel Evil and Good, which, you know, it, it can put disadvantage on fiends. And then also it has this ability. It has the chance of breaking the charms that a, a fiend would put on a character. Or they can also just banish them outright, which is kind of cool. Huh. Yeah. Have a look back at that spell. It's a little bit neater than it it sounds. Yeah, I ha I always do that. I always take those protection from kind of spells or like evil and good. I always take those kind of at uh, face value as being boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it it doesn't they the way that the spells are named, they don't do a lot and this is them being a vestige of older editions. They are not very evocative sounding. Yeah. Like detect evil and good. Okay. We're in a skeleton lair. I bet you there's evil. But no, you can, like, if there's something possessing your character, you can kick it out. Or, again, if you're fighting a, a big-ass demon and this is you have a planetar on your side, there's a chance that they can just banish them back to hell, which is cool. Yeah, I, it's cool that uh, this is just a regular spell I didn't know existed. <laughs> I wish that I was more into playing clerics, because this kind of stuff is really neat to me. They also get a spell called Flame Strike, which is... Kind of just a, a 10 foot column smite spell. Oh, yeah. Flame Strike is like, is the stereotypical big old fire pillar. Yeah. Nothing too crazy there, except for the fact that it's a fire pillar. Yeah. You know, get old angels and their fire pillars. They also, as we mentioned before, they get control weather and they also get insect plague, which is basically like a big obscuring area of effect damage spell. And they get these once per day. And these two spells are basically the one thing that differentiates a planetar from a solar. Are those two things good enough to differentiate them? I, again, I wish they leaned more into these guys being mages. I think the, the way that a planetar is different from the other angels is that these guys have more of an ability to stand in the back lines and just throw area of effect spells at things or even you know they and i will i have this yeah so i this is also kind of holds true for solars they have this ability you know the fact that they can go invisible at will it lends itself very much to these be being sort of war wizards where if you are scouting ahead properly or you know an attack is coming, you get your planetar to turn invisible, you get them positioned where you want, and then these guys, they can put down blade barriers to help, you know, funnel in enemies as you need or deflect enemies as you need, and then also they can lay down insect plague to wipe out some of the minions and do some damage in a huge radius. Yeah, in in my mind, they they could do with having more um because <laughs> those are really biblical things to me yes control weather insect plague even blade barrier to an extent i guess and flame strike yeah, it is it's so it's very biblical like i if they had like tidal wave <laughs> yeah that would be like an awesome spell on them or like summon whale <laughs> <laughs> summon woodland creatures but at max level yeah yeah just like control water even i guess they control weather's enough i think and tidal wave would fix that but yeah. just like there's so many 
wall of stone. I don't know. Like, druid spells. Thro throwing druid spells on them would make them feel a lot cooler. Yeah. I would- I think you're right. I would like these guys more as apocalypse bringers. Because that's kind of what they sound like they should be. Yeah, that's definitely what the- the lore behind them is referencing, is trying to, uh, evoke for the reader. Uh, so I would have liked it more if Wizards of the Coast had looked more into, or leaned more into, these apocalypses that permeate biblical lore. Yeah. And, um express them in a way that in a spell centric way and make these guys more like apocalypse mages you can tell they kind of lean away from being full spellcaster too because they made them large and they gave them a great sword but they weren't content with it being a regular great sword it has to be a 4d6 great sword yeah it's like a massive great sword it's a sort of judgment as it were you can also tell because their coolest spells control weather and insect plague. They only get once per day. Yeah, like there's definitely th this fall. This this angel in particular would fall under my change some things around to use it for myself. Yeah, I um, and we'll get to this more at the end. But I yeah. wish that angels leaned more fully into one thing as opposed to being fantastic or you know uh, this attempt at being fantastic at everything. Yeah. And speaking of being fantastic at everything. Yeah, so they do way more damage. They get four uses of a better version of healing touch that heals more. These guys, they, again, I I see them as, and this is kind of stretching it for their stats, but I see these guys as being war wizards, effectively. Mm -hmm. You turn them invisible, you put them around the battlefield, uh, you can engage tactically with their neater spells, and then once their spells have burnt out, fairly quickly, then they go on mercy duty and help with uh, healing all the characters. Also, I don't think we said this when we got to him. Uh, the stats on this thing, there's only 119, and everything else is above 20. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't go out specifically and say it, but their stats are, are crazy, yeah. They're, I'm so used to looking at these and seeing like one or two stat being like 24 or something. And then having like a 10 or an 8. Nope. It feels like OC <laughs> characters. Yeah. It's, it feels weird. Gary Gygax himself rolled these characters. <laughs> makes me feel gross. <laughs> Using them makes me feel gross. Yeah. Using the next one would make me feel even grosser in every way. <laughs> yeah. So the last angel on the list are the Solars, and these guys are the the Demon Prince Slayers. These guys are called in when there are threats to the entire cosmos. They're, they're supposed to be these consummate warriors. Their swords fly on their own. Their bows are extremely hellaciously powerful. Uh, supposedly there are only 24 of them in existence, and the idea is that some of them are stewards to specific deities, whereas others just wait for the apocalypse hidden across the plains. I think it's pretty telling that the very first sentence in the Monster Manual about Solars is, a Solar is godlike in its glory and power. Yes, and that is effectively true. Their CR is 21, so this is getting on to god-tier enemies. They are. They, they have what I consider to be the, uh, 
the suite of bullshit resistances. Yeah, yeah, it's problematic. <laughs> really quick though, I I like the the how specific the monster manual is that there are only twenty four of them. Yeah, I think it would be kind of a neat in a celestial campaign, as it were, where uh, a good quest would be. You know, the forces of hell are nearly upon us. Let's go out and get some solars and quest for some solars. Oh, finding them, like, to recruit. Yeah, do it, like, Mass Effect style or, like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like there are other Obsidian or Bioware things where that happens. But, like, you know, in, a, in kind of a, we got to shore up our defenses, call in the solars. We got to go get them. That makes that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. My bid to you was that in an evil campaign, you would hunt them down. But I think you're right that recruiting them is the cooler option. Yeah, I think fighting fighting them as part of an evil campaign would be neat. Maybe fighting one or two of them would be more sustainable than finding and killing down all 24. Yeah. Like, not even Shadow of the Colossus could make 24 boss fights cool. Yeah. But I think that tracking them down, maybe not all of them, maybe like six of them i feel like in any given battle you only need like two at tops however so many like, archangels there are in the bible is how many you find that way you have names for all of them <laughs> yeah that's the real trick <laughs> but i think it would be a lot more sustainable as a as an adventure arc to find them as opposed to hunt them down because then you can get into like why are they off duty where are they hidden you know what what keeps them why do angels stuck <laughs> Why do angels stuck? What do angels do in their off time? Yeah. Do do any um. solars crochet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's one scarf that goes like it's like the world tree. It goes from <laughs> the bottom of the plains to the top of the plains. Just follow the long scarf. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like that, like bored ass angels. <laughs> Well, what else are they gonna do, right? Yeah. Mechanically, third verse, same as the first. These guys have crazy stats, improved numbers across the board on all of them. They have, specifically, they have 150 fly speed. That do anything for you? <laughs> and they also have 30 fucking charisma. 30. Yep. Sure do. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, again, their CR is 21, so we're getting into the shit we're getting into the god tier enemies so there we go no surprises anymore i gotta check something real quick <laughs> yeah even the fucking tarask doesn't have as good a stats as this angel does <laughs> yeah it makes me want to like pull out what the demon princes are rocking with like what does orcus have comparatively i guess the tarask beats it in a lot of hit points and a fuck ton of immunities but still like... yeah again i Angels and their stats, I, I wish that they weren't quite so much. I wish they just weren't. Yeah. Though The one thing I can think of that uh, excuses it is this idea that these guys are supposed to be on the player side, so you can err towards unfairness a little bit, because it's fine when a game is unfair on the player side and not the opposite around. Yeah. In addition to all of the crazy-ass angel shit, they are immune to necrotic and poison damage, and instead of the Planetar's con save, they get an intelligence save boost. They have the Planetar's divine awareness, which sucks, as we mentioned before. They can't be lied to. It's bullshit. Uh, we, they should not have that. <laughs> they should not have that. We liked it more when the Planetar had its own special thing. Leaving it such that the only difference between a Planetar and a Solar is the Planetar has Flame Strike and Insect Plague. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. You know, your one-a-day spell. 
really sets that planetar apart. The fact that the solar can control weather automatically makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm mad about that too. They should not be able to have that. But angels have to be good at everything, so there we go. Yeah. I'm actually amazed that the extra radiant damage on the attacks is not like 10d8. <laughs> Yeah. I'm amazed. No, they, they, <laughs> angels, on the whole, they do less damage. Like, you get a diminishing returns on their damage over the CR. Yeah. Which is, um, like, the one thing that angels are lacking in. Well, except this one, who, uh, has its bow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These guys have a bow that we'll get into in a second. The, in terms of spells, they, the solar, they don't have the flame strike, they don't have the insect plague. They do have the crazy-ass at-will invisibility thing. They have the blade barrier. They have the dispel evil and good. They also, they get a little upgrade to their raised dead. These guys get full-on resurrection. Uh, they get the magic resistance, which we talked about. The damage falloff is quite a bit more, as we mentioned. They do about 98 damage per round, which is much less than the chart dictates it should be for their 21 CR. At the same time, the chart states that it should be doing about 150 damage per round, which feels crazy high, which I believe... Wouldn't that be enough to just kill most... Not just kill, but down most classes in one go, at, even at this high of a level? At level 21, 150 damage, I think, like, if you do average HP on everybody. The only one I would think is the wizard. At Well, like, they're capping out at 20. On average, we'll say you get about... 5 HP per level up for a D8 for if, you're, if your hit die is a D8. That is just like 100 health. Yeah, I guess so. And this is... But this is also level 20, so you're assuming there's a con modifier of like... At least plus 2 or 3, right? Maybe. I know, like, me and my rogues, I don't ever put points into con constitution. Yeah, but you also never get up to level 20. Yeah, but at the same time, you only get, like, what, four ability score upgrades for a rogue? I guess so, yeah. Maybe those are going straight into Those are going straight into decks, and for me, like, whatever's left over either goes into wisdom or I get beats. Yeah, that's fair. Alternatively, every I, I believe almost every single class by level 20 has some way to reduce damage taken. Yes, that is true. I'll, I'll buy that. I also... The, the other answer I could come up with is the fact that at this point, death really has lost all meaning. Like, I <laughs> betcha you've got a couple of rods of resurrection hanging out in the back. Yeah. Also, if you're fighting a solar, you have radiant resistance. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Like, you go in prepared, man. Yeah, this is all theorycraft. Uh, anyway, yeah. and that's our typical disclaimer I'm finding is at once you get to a certain point, you're just kind of hoping for the best. Yeah. So let's get to their crazy ass bow. So the thing about this bow, it's their slaying long bow. It does mediocre damage as a bow. The important thing about it is, is that if a target has 100 HP or less, it has to make a 15 constitution save or die. Straight out die. Yeah, it has a bow of power word kill. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, sounds horrifying at the first blush. You know, again, at this point, death has no meaning, and the save is pretty low for a level 20 character. 15 isn't... Most things will shake it out of that sure. for at least a while. As me, as somebody who rolls badly all the time, it makes me kind of scared. Yeah. I think what is the weird thing about this is that if we're playing the angel as I see them, as assistance to the players, 
against oh. the tides of evil. This is kind of bullshit because very few monsters or enemies writ large are going to resurrect in the middle of a fight. That seems like not something most DMs would suffer. Yeah. So there's that. They also get legendary actions, which feels, again, like a bit too much for a, a player aid to have. Also, its legendary actions are wild. <laughs> yes. So it, it just feels weird to my mind how these are mechanically constructed. Like, I get that you need a boss for your evil campaign, and this is your boss for your evil campaign. Yeah. But it, uh, on the other hand, again, I feel like we mentioned this recently, 99% of... D&D campaigns are good or at least good leaning. So it feels like there's a you're you're tipping the scale a little bit too much in the player's favor. Assuming like assuming you're fighting Orcus who I believe maybe has like 200 HP, 6 rounds into this fight, you have a character that at the end of every round has a chance to just kill Orcus. <laughs> yeah. Which in the lore is what these guys are built for. They're built to kill demon princes, but it feels very anticlimactic and weird to me. Um, okay. The only character, or the only monster sheet I can find for Orcus has him set at 405 HP, which I don't think is correct. No, I swear he has much less in Xanathar's Guide. I might be wrong, though. Is he in Xanathar's Guide? Yeah. Or Volo's? Isn't he? It's, no, it's Xanathar. Xanathar has all the demon princes. Oh. And then Volo has all the, the crazy, like, the monsters. Yeah. I, I believe that's what that is. I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> uh, I, I can look it up real quick if you really want me to. No, I don't care that okay, much. Cool. <laughs> uh, so they got their crazy bow. Kind of superfluous to their crazy bow. They have a flying sword. And the sword, yeah, I feel like I once hadn't... you've reached slaying longbow, when you have flying sword, it's like, no, that's like having cake after having cheesecake. I hadn't considered that you start the fight with the greatsword, right? And everyone's like, oh man, this thing's kicking ass with the greatsword. And then it just fucking chucks its sword across the room. Its sword starts doing its own business. And then it gets to pull out its bullshit longbow while the sword is doing stuff. Yeah, and I think that is... So I think these guys are supposed to be archers. I think it would be weird to play them any other way. And I think a lot of their abilities reflect them being archers. In the same way that I think... Planetars are kind of mages, but not really. I think these guys are mostly archers in a way that is a little bit more focused than planetars being kind of mages. Yeah. Uh, so the sword, it can fly 50 feet away from the solar in order to make one attack. Again, these guys are capable of flying 150 feet, and as we'll see in a minute, they can also teleport 120 feet, so it feels kind of redundant. Uh, I also didn't see any mythological precedent for the flying sword. I couldn't, I did a little bit of looking up angels in the biblical stuff, and I couldn't find any angel that was known for having a flying sword. Yeah, this is very much like a D&D &D thing. This is, feels yeah. like a spiritual weapon stand-in. Like, the spiritual weapon is my sword. Yeah, which, I don't know, that, that does sound kind of neat when you paint it like that yeah as it stands though when i was first looking at it i was like why do they have this it seems very <laughs> redundant yeah and like if they're there so the idea is that if they burn their entire movement which is super unlikely and they still need to attack something and they didn't use their turn that round you could do that but that seems like such an edge case i don't ever see the flying swords flyingness that to be that useful except yeah. if we consider it like you said where the idea is they throw the sword immediately, that sword is just 
you know, the uber spiritual weapon, and then the solar spends the rest of the fight doing its bow. But it's still, the problem is, is that the flying sword is still taking up the solar's action, so what the hell? Doesn't it just take up a bonus action? Yeah. It's just a bonus. It's just a bonus action to fly and make an attack. Okay. So yeah, so that reconciles that. I think you're right. I think this is just this is the infantry but not. This is you throw your flying sword into the front line so it, you have something and then the solar spends the rest of the time flying in the air, peppering things with arrows that kill them. Yeah, and that's kind of some bullshit that it doesn't become like a creature, like an animated sword because then like nobody can do anything about it. <laughs> well, angels are bullshit. Here it's, we go. It's not even technically like a magical sword, so I don't know if dispel magic would even really work. <laughs> uh, I believe, yeah, so you, I don't think dispel magic would work. Yeah. They get four 40-point healing touches, so they do a little bit more healing than the planetar. Uh, they also get legendary actions, which again, if they're on the player side, really tips things in favor of the players, which feels weird to me. Yeah. Uh, but again... If you're playing an evil campaign, you need a boss, or if an angel is being controlled or something, you need... You honestly, you just need stuff to kill when you hit 20th level, and this is how you do it. <laughs> With this first legendary action being teleport, the solar, yes. the solar magically teleports along with any equipment it's carrying or wearing up to 120 feet. Yeah. With, with this fly speed and this teleport legendary action... There is zero chance I could ever see anybody doing this on a battle map. <laughs> Never. Not ever. It's so ridiculous. It's so... Maybe, like, if you incremented the squares to be, like, 10 feet. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah. like, you, you're you're stunting the party strategy, I guess. It's, I, it's yeah. ridiculous. So, like, it is. It's super ridiculous. I think maybe it could work if you were doing something like that. If you were doing, like, a large-scale literally a solar against an army like an actual legion of enemies and then you bust out whatever weird rules wizards of the coast has for large-scale fighting side note that'd be fun as hell to play <laughs> yeah to be like a the, solar if, against an army that'd be fun as hell to play <laughs> yeah that would be kind of neat and like when you get to the or if you do your celestial campaign that would be kind of a fun way to take it is go macro scale just watch your characters wreck shop with a bunch of special items and their huge stats. Yeah, every now and then you need to have a, a big fun romp. That's I guess that's what these guys are for, because, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no way in hell I would ever put this into a game where things were normal. <laughs> no, no, this is... And this is, like, the point where everybody's bored with D&D. Like, yeah. you've been playing for so long, unless this is either, like... We got to roll up a level 20 game just to see and be surprised by the crazy ass shit that can happen. Or we're so bored with D&D, inject something in that can surprise me. We've got to do that one of these times. Just to, yeah. just to try. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have this legendary action called Searing Burst, Burst, which costs two actions. Searing Birth is what I nearly said, and that sounds like a metal, like a black metal band. That sounds awful. Each creature of the Solar's choice within 10 feet makes a deck save and takes a little bit more damage. So I read this as, A, it kind of turns the Solar into a flying teleporting bomb, which is kind of cute <laughs> in my brain. Like I imagine like a bomb mob from Super Mario. 
and I guess we'll get to this in a second. Uh, yeah, when I do my wrap-up thoughts on what the Solara is about, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But I think this feeds into it being an archer. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it in, like, one second. Okay. Third thing they get is called Blinding Gaze. It costs three legendary actions, so you're using all of your legendary actions. And, you know, to think about it, the fact that the Solar gets these legendary actions that cost so many legendary actions, I would say that it kind of helps make the Solar more manageable in an encounter where the Solar is on the... The Solar. Praise the sun. <laughs> when the Solar is on the player's side, you know? So if you're just doing... It, it makes it less... It takes the Solar down a peg, where right. if at every legendary action you just do Blinding Gaze... It takes a little bit off your mind as the DM. Yeah. So what Blinding Gaze does, it targets one creature that the Solar can see within 30 feet of it. Uh, they're very quick and simple. There's a 15 constitu constitution save, or the target is blinded until a lesser restoration cur cures it. Which, again, at this point, that's a pretty easy save, 15. Again, it could be brutal to an enemy demon who typically doesn't have the restorative qualities that the player team does yeah or you know if your evil party doesn't have a cleric which is fairly likely it could be pretty rough and could put a character outside you know take a player out of combat for a little while but potentially for a long while if you yeah. don't have any <laughs> blind restorative <sucks>. magic <laughs> yeah yeah blinded does suck i don't know how i would feel about that if my character got blinded in the middle of a fight in the same way that i i don't like necessarily underwater combat I'm not necessarily into huge curses that, you know, make everything I have have disadvantage for who knows how long. Yeah, for an indeterminate amount of time. That's not that yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Again, you're just kind of banking on your players being able to take the punch and also have some way to counter it. Yeah, which I mean is generally a thing I'm cool with. It's blind. I don't know. Blind is just a weird thing. Well, the the thing that tips it off for me is like we are in our in our real lives we are fortunate enough to have somebody who always likes playing a cleric but before that i don't know if i've ever had a cleric on my team yeah so you know less this kind of effect even potentially at 20th level i'm not sure that if you don't have a healer which i like to think that is a fair way to play like i know there are going to be some people that are like Final Fantasy, like war game purists that are like, you always need a cleric, what are you doing? But for me, who plays D&D a little bit more, you know, show me what cool characters you've thought up. Show me these cool situations. I want to get attached to the narrative. Yeah. I, uh, I, I could see a party that I'm in very easily not having a cleric and not having a means to counter this blindness. But again, it's still like this is... This is having the notion, you know, this is contingent on the players failing a 15 con save at level 20. Which, I mean, which as we've discussed with like characters like you, like that you build, <laughs> where yeah. it's like plus one con or zero con, a class that it does not have proficiency in a con save, like... Yeah, I guess that is a little bit more dangerous. It's, it is not, what's the, do you know offhand what the proficiency bonus I guess it wouldn't matter, would if it? If you're not proficient, no, it would. It if you're would not be, proficient in at it. level twenty, you would be a rogue rolling a d twenty plus zero. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That actually is a lot scarier than I thought. Yep, man. <laughs> uh, 
that uh that's gonna i'm gonna have trouble sleeping at night tonight. <laughs> yeah the hmm. way we think about these dcs is we always think about it in terms of like if we are proficient in them but yeah. if you're not proficient some of these are scary <laughs> yeah especially like there aren't a lot of classes that get proficiency in consti constitution it's like fighters and maybe fighters. paladins do paladins get that i think it's wisdom and charisma that sounds right yeah again like comment and subscribe if i if i'm wrong <laughs> but yeah the, it's 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 troubling <laughs> yeah that uh blinding a rogue blinding a rogue is the worst thing that could happen to a rogue besides dying <laughs> yeah i guess at that point you get your cute 10 feet of blind sense <laughs> I guess so, so, yeah. It's not so bad. Hey, this dirt I'm eating is pretty good. Yeah, as long as you're not a rogue archer, you're fine. I uh, I don't see that being necessarily fun. No. But again, at level 20, you just kind of got to trust that your characters have some sort of, like, even a potion of restoration, if that's a thing. I yeah. don't remember. I mean, anything's a thing, right? Yeah, I guess so. All things are things. Yeah. In 2018. One of the things I was going to say is Searing Burst... Uh, you said that sounds like an archer ability, which I can see where you're coming from, I think, if, like, things are crowding around, right? Yes, that is kind of where I was but going that with is, it. That's what teleport also feels like to me, I guess. Yes. As an yeah. escape. Yeah. Um, but Searing Burst also does seem like a bomb ability to me in that the solar flies into a horde of skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> and then so just I, yeah. at the end of somebody else's turn bursts and all the skeletons get disintegrated. I uh I think it would be kind of fun to play a solar like that. I also think that this is for when you know minions are charging through the charging through the door or whatever and they just happen to get a hold of your solar from his perch. Yeah. You do searing burst and then you clear out those enemies and then you teleport immediately after to a new location. Yeah, so we're getting into it. I think these guys do much of the same thing as Planetars, which sucks. I do think that with their crazy death bow, plus their at-will invisibility, their crazy movement speed, their flying sword, it feels like these guys are meant to be archers, able to, like, post up a sword barrier, then they take shots at the enemy until they get close, they bomb, they teleport, ad nauseum. And even, like, if, <laughs> if for some reason the Solar had to run from a battle... Yeah. There's no way to catch it. There's zero yeah. way. It's nope. per round it can move. Let's see if it takes it's 300 just on action and movement alone plus another 360. That's why there's still 24 of them. <laughs> 24 of them knew how to use their teleport to get away. Devils yeah. hate Devils hate them. Yeah. I found a solar in my basement after 20 years. You won't believe what happened. It's more likely than you think. <laughs> So, yeah, so again, they they can teleport, they have crazy stats, they have a, a good great sword that does good damage, they have their bows. Even though I think these guys lean a little bit more towards archers than anything else, they are definitely good at everything. You forgot the two most important traits. They look like Fabio and they have v-necks. Yeah, I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't take a note of how these guys look physically because uh, it felt like just more angel stuff and after a while i was got tired of describing wings yeah it's it's funny because the deva look like i don't know silver high school boys like they've got yeah. a bieber-esque haircuts yeah planetars are just big bald featureless men but then the yeah. solars are just glorious in all like 
they they have like cross necklaces in the picture i think it's very like 90s castlevania it's yeah, very like it's it's super like and it <laughs> it's super cheesy and i kind of love it but i uh yeah I, it makes me want one of these guys to have a headband <laughs> yeah i could see that for sure lean into that trope by the way so I'm gonna. I already dated this episode by saying it came out in 2018. I want to date it again by uh, saying that Super Smash Bros. Ultimate just came out. Yeah, and it got really hard for a while to read the new challenger approaching silhouette because so many of the characters are just muscly dudes with headbands. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, who's this? Snake? I had no idea. Snake? Ike? Simon? Yeah. Who is this?" <laughs> Yep, it got pretty silly after a while. So, in summation, angels, to me, feel like OC characters. They're so versatile and capable and powerful at everything that they feel kind of boring as a monster. Yes. So, like, on the scale, I prefer monsters that are very good at doing one thing as a challenge rather than being very good at pretty good or, in the Solar's case, very good at everything. It feels like, to me... Having a monster that is very good at one thing allows the players to experiment and feel really smart when they defend against that one thing. Whereas, you know, you can't take a strategy away from a Solar or you can't take even like a Deva. You can't really take a strategy away from a Deva. They're just going to fly around whatever you put in front of them and smack you with a mace. Yeah. How would you make a Deva more interesting, if at all? I think, again, and I... this all, this, my entire argument here is predicated on this notion that you're fighting the angel. Oh, yeah. This is all like personal opinion theory crafting of combat against the monster. I think that devas are cool as surprises. So I think the idea is the deva doesn't need, in my mind, the deva doesn't need to be changed all that much because the idea is if you're going to fight this creature or even if the creature's on your side, it's just uh, an NPC warrior for a while. You strip it of its NPC warrior hit points, and then it transforms into a deva. And I think that is surprise enough to make the encounter interesting. I think, as we mentioned before, I wish that the planetar had more spells and was more of a mage. I wish that yeah. solars were even more of an archer. I would say, I would go so far as to say that only one solar should still exist. I mean, like, if you see more than one solar, your campaign is dead. Just yeah. start a new one, please. Obviously, the DM has run out of ideas, and it's time to just burn the whole thing down. Yeah. Unless you're questing for solars. That could be kind of cool. But don't quest for all 24 of them, because that would be dull. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Kind of my final thoughts are just, Deva are cool. I, w- I would like to introduce a Deva into a game at some point. Obviously later, because... I'm not really big on the whole deus ex machina thing. But, like, after thinking about how to change planetars to be more interesting, I think planetars are my favorite angel. Yeah, yeah, well, solars are so indestructible. Oh, yeah, solar never had a chance to be my favorite angel because it's too powerful. It's so just the main character of a book or a video game that I can't really mess with that as a creature. Um, but planetars, if you, I think I would drop their great sword attack to be weaker and I would give them the extra spells and they would, that becomes my favorite angel. Their planetars are pretty cool. I like them as the sword of judgment. I think that is a neat bit of lore to like lean into. I think 
on the whole, I like Davas a little bit more because they seem like the wild boys. Like, <laughs> Davas are the ones you invite to a party. Well, yeah, that's true. Davas do seem kind of like the, uh, the, the most, they're the most human of all of them. So I think that, yeah. ma- that gives them some appeal because, I don't know, being human is to be unpredictable. And if you have a little bit of wildness in your angels, that makes it kind of fun. But if, it, but strictly in counter speaking, I think Planetar is my favorite. Yeah, Planetar seems a little bit more... Yeah, Planetar is definitely a good midpoint between the Solar being indestructible and the Deva not really having a lot to fight against, truly. Like, it has the crazy fly speed. It It can be a (laughs) T-Rex. Yeah, it can transform. That that is pretty neat. But I think the Planetar has a little bit more... uh, I don't know. Uh, It's got a little bit more... I don't want to say versatility, because that's kind of what I'm condemning angels for. A stank. But the... It's got some stank. Yeah, it's not that it, it's more <laughs> versatile, it's that it has, with Blade Barrier and... Well, uh, I think the... I think it's literally more focused. <laughs> I don't think it is more versatile, I think it's more focused. Yeah, I think what I'm trying to say is that there's more for the players to overcome in terms of challenge if you're fighting it. Yeah. Without it being impossible to catch. Yeah, because for sure, I can I can see many scenarios in which killing a planetar would be almost easy. Yeah, uh, but it wouldn't. It, it would do. I could see also on the flip side many ways to make it nearly impossible using the kind of tools provided, but not in a yeah. way that the solar does, where it just is impossible almost instantaneously. Yeah, it's pretty rough. How um as kind of closing thoughts, how do you feel about these guys as potential allies in a fight? Yeah, as allies, I wouldn't feel very good about using a Solar ever. Uh, as an ally, Planetars, I think one. I could see one Planetar way later into a campaign being an ally. I If if it wasn't in the lore that these guys were commanders, because I would like a Planetar as a servant. Oh, I, feel like, I see. I think, again, like I mentioned before, I like these guys as ambushers. Right. Yeah, I... I actually would like uh, a planetar kind of commander ally, an NPC that you kind of is leading the forces that you can follow. Because I really mm. like, I like following NPCs sometimes. Sure. Um, secondarily to that, Deva, as you said, are the wild boys, and I would absolutely love to use them in <laughs> any shape yeah. or form. Just any NPC disguise like, is a Deva in disguise. Doing its best human impression. Yeah, well, they're Gandalfs. I like me a Gandalf. Yeah, everybody loves a Gandalf. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think Deva are my favorite out of combat, and I could see Deva being the best allies. So that is gonna do it for this episode. We are gonna close it out. We we've talked about angels. We've talked some. We've talked some love. We've talked some hate. And there were tears. <laughs> there were there were wings. Uh, until next time. What did what did we learn today? What what uh what are we? What's a good way? <laughs> until next time. What's a good way to end this episode? Uh, don't trust angels. Also. 
Don't Just, lie to angels. Don't lie to angels. Also, Gary Gygax uh, rolled all the stats for the angels, and that's why they're so high. I apologize for saying that Gary Gygax's full name was er Eugene Gary Gygax. It's actually Ernest Gary Gygax. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew his uh, initials were Egg. <laughs> they are. Well, because he designed a dungeon, and in the dungeon, part of it uh, had Egg written in it as his initials. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the walls of a certain part of the dungeon spelled out Egg. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good.